Last week uh, was a little different. Uh, last week, for, last weekend for you guys, and, and as well as for us, uh, in the morning, early in the morning, after driving all night, we stopped at the Waffle House because Kent had never eaten there. And uh, so he got his initiation into the Waffle House, and we were sitting there, and uh, we drove, you know, we drove through the night. Uh, Pastor Jeff Elliott from New Horizons came along with uh, uh, Ginny and Pastor Kent and myself, and um, we're sitting there at that restaurant having breakfast, and, and uh, Pastor Elliott looks around, and he says, what's, what's wrong with this picture? Here's three ordained guys sitting in a Waffle House on Sunday morning eating breakfast, you know, and uh, I thought, well, we got to conference, and um, conference was loud. Um, the uh, the 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 music you know the style is um, different than what I sometimes prefer. It was so loud that it felt like they were uh, using the mallets for the drum right on my chest. I mean, it was you know they had that kicked up uh, that loud, and um, I was listening to that. And the, the words of the song again were very good. In fact, a lot of them were a lot of the songs we sing. You know, and the, the words of the songs were, were good. The um, style was different. Uh, they had hazers. Okay, if you don't know what a hazer is, think fog machine. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, they bring the lights down and the volume up. Um, and it's different. And I was thinking to myself, when Ginny and I, the very first conference we went to in the missionary church, um, I was in my 20s, and Sandy Patty's parents were there. I can't remember their names now. You remember their names? It wasn't Patty. Anyway, um, and I remember they were the music. They, they led the music, and they had a machine there, and her dad recorded, I forget how many tracks of himself singing. Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air. I still sing that song to myself every once in a while. But uh, Ezekiel saw the wheel away up in the middle of the air. Uh, so he he had himself recorded, you know, and he knows how to do these things. So he sang like twelve part harmony with himself. It was it was really different. Um, and I thought to myself, boy, I wish they'd do, uh, you know, a little bit more younger music and. Um, a little more upbeat, and so I find myself at this conference saying, gee, I wish they'd tone it down a little bit. I, I, I'm just always on the wrong end of the music spectrum, you know, as far as general conference goes. Uh, but it was, you know, like I say, it was loud. Uh, but again, it's different, and that's, that's okay, because they were still singing great songs to the Lord. They were uh, shouting great songs to the Lord. And, you know, it says, you know, shout, shout to the Lord. Um, you know, so that, you know that was that was good. That was nice. Uh, the days were long. First session started at 8:45, and the last thing finished at about 9:30 at night. And uh, we were tired, but anyway, it was it was good. Those of you who were here last week saw the message that I recorded um, before we left. 
little odd way to do church, isn't it? Uh, because again, because we're you know we're we're just not you know we're we're not not used to that. I, I want to thank everybody who helped, though. Really, uh, you saw you know John came up, David, Kurt all took some you know role up front here. Uh, but a lot went in too that you didn't see. Pastor Kent set up the camera and everything for me to to record it. But then also, you know, he um, he blurred my face for you every once in a while, which is you know for your benefit. Uh, putting the words across there, uh, you know, to be able he put all that together and trimmed it up and loaded it up, and then everybody here made sure that you know that it worked. The sound team, the video team, made sure that it all worked, and and uh, you know most of you showed up and. It's just a great thing to see, you know, the church working and functioning. Um, it's an encouragement. It's encouragement to me. So, uh, thank you all for making last week's service happen. Uh, I appreciate that. It was, you know, it's nice. Now, this week we're going to continue with the theme we began looking at last week, as you see on the screen there. You know, be the light. Um, so let's pray, and we're going to get into some more passages. Father, thank you for the working of the body, and it was good to see. Uh, as we were in Florida and with um, a, a different group, a different style, but yet you were worshipped and you were praised, and I thank you for that. We got to take part in that. We got to be a part of that group, a part of those praising you. And thank you for that, Father. I thank you that uh, our church family here was able to minister to one another and be ministered to by your grace and by your gifts. Uh, what a great thing it is to be a part of the church broadly and this church locally. Uh, so I want to give you thanks and praise. Now continue to guide us, continue to help us see you as we look into your word again this morning, that it might be your word, your truth, your reality uh, that comes across. We need to understand more your love, not only for us, but for those around us, um, and instead of grasping onto the frustrations, I pray that you would help us to grasp onto the truth, the truth of your word, the truth of your being, the truth of your call in our lives. Uh, so guide our thoughts, our time here, and as we, um, as we go from here to live out your word, help us to do that, we pray with thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you didn't see the message last Sunday, it is online. You can go ahead and, and watch that, you know, if, if you want. We're going to hit some of the same verses we looked at last week. We're going to add a few more. Uh, most of them will be on the screen for you, but I do want you to look up this first passage. This is one that we didn't touch on last week too much. Uh, John chapter 1, if you want to turn there, page 975 in the Pew Bible. These verses are going to set the stage really for for all that we're looking at today and even undergird more of what we looked at last week. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I have many, but this is one of them. John looks at the birth of Christ in a much different way. Uh, the, uh, we're used to Matthew and Luke's account, you know, and, and uh, you know, Mary and Joseph, and, you know, there she is traveling all, all pregnant on a donkey and you know, going with a, with this, you know, the moon and night and all that stuff. The Bible doesn't tell us some of those things. You know, that's just our Christmas tradition. But uh, you know, we get that picture from Matthew and Luke. John goes back even further, talking about the birth of Christ. Follow along, beginning with verse one of John chapter one. In the beginning was the Word. What a great place to start. I mean, he starts all the way back there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. Now this John he's talking about here is John the Baptist, not, not himself. Uh, the, the, a man named John who was sent from God. Verse 7, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, before we get much further, look again at verse 5. It says that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. The darkness did not overpower it. The darkness was not stronger uh, than the light. Light always, light always displaces darkness. Light always wins. When you are in a, in a dark room and you light up a light, what happens? Light beats back the darkness. When, when I go through the church at night, I was, uh, when we got home, we drove through the night Thursday night and got home uh, 6 o'clock Friday morning. And I dropped Ginny and, well, we dropped off Pastor Jeff and we dropped off Pastor Kent and Ginny and I went home and I dropped her and the luggage off, and I came to the office uh, because I wasn't ready for today. Um, and so I was working, and I stayed here uh, till midnight. Now, I didn't originally plan that, um, you know, just it, that's the way it worked. And so as I'm in my office, it's, I got the lights on, and it's getting darker and darker in the sanctuary. Now, when I know that I'm going to be here late like that, a lot of times what I will do is I will turn on, well, the beam lights that we have on up here now. I'll turn those on and those lights under the balcony so that when I'm leaving, I can see. Well, uh, Friday, that, that didn't happen, you know. And so at midnight, when I thought, this is stupid, I really need to get some sleep, um, and I was going to go home, so I came out and... I know the corner of the stairs are there somewhere. You know, I know they're there, and I know the pew is there somewhere. And I know this, you know, the, the tripod. I know all that, but I wasn't quite sure where they are. And so I got out my phone. Now, you know, some of you have a flashlight on your phone. I do, too. I'm just not smart enough to know how to turn it on. Um, so, you know, all I did, all I did was that. So that, that came on. And that gave me just enough light to be able to see those obstacles. Why? Because light always wins. Light always dispels the darkness. Light always chases away the darkness. And this is exactly what he tells us is going to happen. Now, one of our speakers this week pointed out that darkness is not the problem. And that's true. You see, too often we get, we get focused in and we think that darkness is the problem and if it weren't for all the darkness in this world and all those things that were against God, then this world would be, would, would be a, a different place. It would be a different place. But what we need to understand is darkness is a reality. 
You know, it is something that is there, and Scripture is very clear about that. You see, the thing is, it's not that there's too much darkness. The problem is there's too little light. Because light always wins. Light always has that advantage. You know, the problem is too little light, not too much darkness. Light dispels darkness. Light always wins. When light shows up, darkness is gone. You know, when it shows up, darkness is gone. We're told here, we're told other places, Jesus is the light. And he has come into this world and he dispels darkness. Now stick with me on this because you're going to say, oh, but there's uh, so much darkness around. Uh, stick, uh, follow through on all of this. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Now, this simply echoes what we started with, what we saw in the beginning of John's gospel, that he's the light of the world, and that light has come into this world. And this simply is echoing what John, what, you know, God directed John to write in the very beginning of his gospel there. But notice here in this verse what knowledge Jesus adds to the subject of light. He says those who follow him, meaning those who are committed to follow him, those who want to follow, those who are his disciples. A disciple is very, very simply, you know, those who are committed to him, those who are learning from him and living for him. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about when he's talking about disciples, when he's talking about anyone who follows me. He's talking about those who are committed and they are committed to learning from him. But it's not simply learning from him. It's not simply gaining more knowledge. It is also the living. It is also the living for him. It is is the combination of those two. It is not something that is simply intellectual. It It also needs to be applicational. It also needs to come out through your life. It also needs to have that, you know, to be incarnated, if you will, incarnated in you and coming out through you. And, and this is the picture that he gives us here. It's not focused on self-gain, which is too often how we live life, but it is a life focused on Jesus and that focused on living for Jesus. Now notice, he says, those who follow him, he says, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Those who follow him. You say, well, you know, sometimes I, I just don't have that. Because we're not following him. You know, we sometimes go off and do our own thing. Those who follow him, he says, will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Then a little bit later in the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is an interesting time, 14, 15, 16, 17. What those all are, are those are the hours between the Last Supper and Jesus' arrest. And so what you have in, in John chapter 14, it is just hours, you know, it is just hours after the Last Supper, uh, maybe even less than an hour after the Last Supper, but it's just hours before he is arrested tortured and crucified and and in you know in that time here he is speaking to those who have committed their lives to follow him he is speaking to his his disciples there those who have committed you know to to focus on learning from him and living for him he was this was their whole purpose in life their whole purpose in life had changed and had come to now it was going to be shaken in a minute because they didn't you know they didn't grasp the realities of the crucifixion it was going to be shaken 
but they stood firm. They stood firm in that. You know, they, they had really wobbly legs for a while, you know, but they stood firm in that. You know, they, they, were, they were learning from him and they were living for him. And, and, you know, he wanted to make sure that they were going to do that. So part of what he tells them in John chapter 14, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world, now when John talks about the world, when John uses the word world, remember, he very specifically is talking about that system of thought, those systems of operation that exclude God, that denigrate God, that keep God out, that, that, that have either no belief in God or understand that there is God but reject him. You see, so when, that's how he uses the word world. You know, he said that the, you know, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. You know, they either, they either ignore or push him out or exclude him from the conversation, which we see a lot today. You know, that, you know, it just gets excluded from the conversation, you know, and, you know, or, you know, they don't know him. They don't recognize him. A contrast to those whom he is talking to, his disciples, who do know him and, and want to follow and learn from him. He says, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Notice what he says there. He is drawing this contrast between the world, those who reject him, and then those who follow him, those whom he's talking to, those who, including us, those who follow him. He says, you know, you don't know him. You don't know the spirit, but he will remain with you. In the Old Testament, you see a lot of times it talks about the spirit leaving him. Jesus is giving us some information about the Spirit and the transition of a ministry of the Spirit. He will be with you. You know, He will be with you. You don't send the Spirit away. Now you grieve the Spirit when you sin. But those who have a relationship with Christ, those who have committed their lives to Christ, He tells us very clearly uh, that 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 you know that He that um, He the, the Spirit will be with you. You know, and notice what it says: and will be in you will be in you. And then he says, you know, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Now, this probably seemed a little confusing to them because, dude, you're right here. You know, I mean, uh, you know, but th- this was going to make sense to them later. You know, after the wobbly legs situation for him, after, you know, the, the, the little bit of, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about this stuff. Uh, you know, now, now Jesus is dead. What are we going to do? Uh, you know, and, and then this began to make more sense. Now, a little later that same night in John 17, John 17 is, is um, a, a prayer. It is Jesus praying for his followers. He's praying for those who are right there with him, and he is praying for those who will believe because of their message, which is us, you know. And, and so he's talking with God the Father about those who will follow him, about those who you know will choose to live for him and, and with him and obey him. And this is part of what he says. He says, I have given them the glory that you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. 
May they be made completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved them. Right? He, he told in John, in, in chapter 14, and again, remember, this is all in those, this is all in those hours between the Last Supper and his arrest. And within that short period of time, within that short span of time, he is teaching them about the Holy Spirit. And he tells them the Spirit you know, will, be, will come and he will be in you. And here, as he's going on, he is telling them, he says, I in them and you in me. You know, he's talking about the reality of him being within us. And he says, so that the world may know. He's in his followers by, through, and with his spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and with the Father himself. This is what he tells us, our triune God, one God in three persons. One God, you know, in three persons inseparably linked as one, as one God. And we say, how can that be? Well, part of it is, you know, because we have very limited, you know, we can't understand things as God does, and this is the reality of what he teaches us there. They are distinct, yet they are inseparable. You know, they are together as one. And now he told his disciples earlier, in a verse that we looked at last week, this is one of them that we, we used last week, you know, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. See, Jesus is the light that came into the world. We looked at that, John chapter 1. He's the light that came into the world. He lived among us as the light of the world, as some of these verses we've been looking at here. He promised his followers, just what we've been seeing, you know, that not only the presence of the Holy Spirit with them, but also in them. Difference. Not just with them, but also in them. And here he promises, you know, that he himself will be with that he himself will be in us, John chapter seventeen. And then right here he tells us, You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world because the light of the world, Jesus, is living in us. It is not because of anything in and of ourselves. He very clearly states that he is the light of the world. He very clearly states that he will reside in us. He very clearly states that the Spirit will reside in us. He very clearly states you know, that he and the Father are one, and as the Father lives in him, and that he lives... We are the light of the world because the light of the world is living within us. Because Jesus is living within us. It is his presence in us that makes the difference. It is his presence in us that makes us the light of the world. Without his presence, that isn't true. Now, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, his followers continued telling others about him. You know, they had that time where they were hiding in the upper room and, and I don't know what they were talking about, but I know what I'd be talking about. I'd be talking about, this is horrible. That's what I would be talking about. This is horrible. I can't imagine how it could get any worse. The only thing that could get worse would be that we would be arrested because we were, we were, we were companions of him. So lock that door. So they're in the upper room and, you know, and they're, they're together, you know, but, the, but the doors are locked. Because they don't, they don't want to die. We saw what happened to Jesus you know, when we were singing that song. Man, what a powerful song that one is, too. We sang right after that scripture reading. I saw my name in his wounds. Oh, my gosh. 
They saw him be crucified. They saw him be tortured. They saw him be abused before he was tortured to death on that cross. And they didn't want that to happen to them. And so they were hiding and they were, they were standing back until, until some of these things then began, you know, began to be a reality to them. And they saw the risen Christ. And they began to remember the things he taught them. And they began to realize that now we need to live those things he taught us. We need to begin living out what it is that he has taught us. And after the ascension, I still like that picture. It says, the, you know, in, in the beginning of Acts, and Jesus is raised up to heaven, and it says they're, you know, standing there gazing into heaven. I think waiting for him to come back down. Okay, Jesus, come on back, you know. And the angel says, dudes, what are you looking at? He's going back into heaven like he said he was going to. Get busy. Get cracking. Go do what he told you to do. Go live like he told you to live. And so they go back to town, and you know, then you get Acts chapter 2, and you know, the Pentecost celebration, Jewish celebration, is going on. You know, and so there's these masses of people that are there. And uh, it says then that the, the, the disciples, Peter in particular, were told, uh, comes out and he gives a message, and he preaches a message, and it says that, uh, these people heard all the disciples speaking in their own language. And they said, what in the world is going on? It says some believed and some didn't. Some said, well, I need these uh, hitting, the, hitting, the, hitting the sauce a little early. These guys are drunk. That's what some of them said. you know. And they dismissed it and they pushed God out of the picture. And others said, yeah, no, no, this is real. And it says thousands came to know Jesus that day. Thousands were added to the church. And we read that over and over again. That thousands were added to the church. Well, about five years after that event, after that ascension, this fellow named Saul encounters Christ as, as he, Saul, was traveling on the road to Damascus. Saul was out to, he was a you know, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as he describes himself later. Uh, he, was a, he was a Pharisee, he was a Jew, he was a devout Jew, and he didn't like these guys who uh, were now being called Christians, little Christs, a mocking term, a term of mocking and you know, so they were called Christians, and and um, you know, he's on his road, uh, on the road to Damascus, uh, to arrest Jesus' followers. Now we touched on that a little bit last week, you know, and it says the, the, the bright light shone down on him, and Jesus said, "Why, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Well, who are you, Lord? He says. Well, we, we read a little bit about that encounter last week. Well, after another 12 years after that, Paul and Barnabas, uh, Paul is who we now know Saul as. You know, we know him as Paul. And he began, it says, to immediately tell people about Jesus. And another 12 years after that, Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch. They're continuing to tell people about Jesus. Uh, They were in the synagogue to share the truth about Jesus, which was their custom. Their custom was to go to the synagogue. Why? Because they were Jews. Jesus was the Messiah, the completion of what they were looking for, and they wanted their other Jewish brothers and sisters to know about the Messiah. So they went to the temple, the synagogue, as was their custom, and they began to speak about Jesus. As they began to speak about Jesus there in Antioch, and it says that many came to believe. Then the synagogue leaders... You know, they said, this isn't good. 
this isn't good, you know. And they began to oppose the message about Jesus, which was their custom. Uh, you know, uh, they, they began to oppose that message. They began to stand against Paul and Barnabas as, as, they, were, you know, as they were talking. Part of Paul's response to them in chapter 13, Paul says, For this is what the Lord commanded us, I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, that's a quote from Isaiah chapter 49. Uh, It was originally given to God's people after Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of Israel, uh, because they couldn't even get along with each other at that that point. Uh, They continued to do poorly as his people. But what we see there, you know, is from the very beginning, from the very beginning, God intends for his people uh, to be a light for others to come to know him. That's what God wants. God wants that for his people to be a light for others to come to know him. You know, he said, I have made you a light for the Gentiles. I have made you a light for them. He's made us a light you know, by our connection with him, because he lives in us, he has made us that light become because he lives in us. You know, and he says, you know, a light for the Gentiles, the Gentiles on their mind were all those who didn't know God. You were a Jew or you were a Gentile. The only two classes of people they knew a Jew who knew God and were part of God's people. And if you didn't, well, then you're a Gentile. What's a Gentile? Anyone who doesn't know God. That's that, you know, that, was, that was the divisions for him. So he says, I made you who know me a light for those who don't know me. I made you a light for the Gentiles. You who know me, I made you a light for those who don't know me, that they might come uh, to know you, you know, that they might come uh, for those who walk in darkness. I have made you a light for those who are walking in darkness. Now, this is not simply a New Testament concept. You know, it's not simply a New Testament calling. It's always been something that God has called his people to. He's always called his people to be that witness to him. In Isaiah chapter 60, uh, you know, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you. I love, what a great picture that is. The glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness covers the earth, and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you. In the midst of that darkness, in the midst of those who reject him, God has put a light, a witness, us, his people. And as darkness increases, light becomes more important, not less important. It becomes more important. You know, you you say, you can stand for a while and your eyes become used to the dark. That's an unfortunate thing. When I came out of my office on Friday night, I could have stood there for a little while and my eyes would have started to become accustomed, you see, because it's not totally dark. And if I would have stood there for long enough, I would have been able to see if I was careful. Oh, yeah, there is the corner of the stairs so I don't trip over it. Oh, there is the pew so I don't run into it and the tripod so I don't trip. And I, I would have known that. You ever been in a cave and they take you into the cave and, you know, you're way back in the bowels of the earth. Well, there's a picture for you. Uh, you know, you're, you're, and you're in that cave. We've, Jenny and I have been in them several times. Um, and when you're back there 
And the guy says, okay, I'm going to turn off the lights now so you can see how dark it is. And he turns off all the lights. And I went like this and couldn't see my hand. As darkness increases, light becomes more and more important. You know, it, it becomes more and more. Now, all, and then what? The, what? The, in, in one of those cave tours, what? The, the, it was a mammoth cave, and it was a park ranger. And I don't think they do this anymore because it's not eco-friendly. But that's another subject. Uh, so uh, you know, so that he he lit a match. We're in this pitch black cave, and he lit a match. Just that light of that little match. One. Now, it wasn't lit up like daylight, but no, it was lit up enough where, whoo, I could see the hand in front of my face, I could see others around me, and it was comforting. You know, it was comforting even just, just to have, that, to have that, that, that little bit of light. You know, darkness increases, light becomes more important. Now, a very important transition here in, in, in verse 2 that you need to see. You know, he says, you know, that, that, that look, darkness covers the face of the earth. Have you noticed that to be reality? Darkness covers the earth, and total darkness the peoples. You don't have to look far to see the reality of that. You don't have to look far at all. He goes on, but there's the transition. There is a transition. Darkness covers the earth, total darkness the people, but, you know, but, yes, darkness is present, but... The Lord will shine over you and His glory will appear over you. Remember, remember where we started this morning. You know, in John 1, 5, that the light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. The darkness did not overpower it. The darkness did not win. You know, light always dispels darkness. But there's so much darkness there. Light, all, it, the problem isn't the darkness. The problem isn't too much darkness. It's too little light. People will continue in darkness until we bring the light of Jesus to them. They will continue that way until we, until we bring that light that he's told us to. We have the privilege, the honor, the responsibility to bring the light of Jesus into every place we go. Be the light. Be that light that he's called us to. Now this passage in Isaiah continues, uh, the third verse, it says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your radiance. Light attracts because light gives comfort. It brings clarity. It helps us to see. When that ranger lit that match, it was great. And I thought to myself, it would be horrible to try to get out of here with that. But it would be impossible to get out of here without that. It's impossible for people to save themselves. It's impossible for them to get out of that darkness without the light of Christ. And you bring in the light of Christ. He's told us to do that. You know, they will come to you. You know, you are that light of the world. Now, not everyone will come to Christ. Some people do not like the clarity of seeing their sin. Do you know when most crimes are committed? At night. Why is that? Because 
Well, that passage goes on in, in the Gospel of John because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Now, some people don't like the clarity of seeing their sin. And some people simply want to indulge their own desires. I'd rather, I'd rather you know, indulge my own desires even though it's taking them deeper into hell and they don't realize that, but we need to help them see that. And some, it, it just seems, too, that some people really just don't want to be comforted. Leave me in my misery. We've been reading Jonah in the morning. You know, uh, Pastor Kent and, and Sarah and Ginny and I have been reading the same passages and interacting a little bit together, and we're reading in Jonah. We read Jonah chapter 4 this morning. Or else they'll read it this afternoon. Anyway, uh, you know, so in Jonah chapter four, and Jonah, you know, uh, Jonah goes to Nineveh, and you know he doesn't want to, and you know, so that whole rigmarole goes on, and you know he gets barfed up by a by a big fish, and um, goes in and preaches to Nineveh, uh, and, and Nineveh repents, and because Nineveh repents, it says God relented. God didn't change His mind. The situation changed, and no longer needed. No longer needed judging. And so God didn't judge. Why? Because he's a gracious and loving God. And they repented. They changed. God remained the same. Well, uh, so then it goes, goes on and it says, And Jonah, Jonah went out and pouted. And Jonah went out and said, I knew you were going to do this, God. This is why I didn't want to go. This is why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because I knew you, I, I, I know you are a gracious and merciful God. And that you would relent, that you would not punish them if they repented. And that's, not, I, and that's why I didn't want to come here. Well, because he wanted them snuffed out. The Ninevites were jerks, uh, evil people. And he wanted them crushed. He wanted them wiped out. He wanted the darkness smashed. He didn't want it changed. And so Jonah sat there and pouted. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, he... he railed against God. I knew you were going to do this, you know. So God still cared for him and loved him and had this, you know, plant grow up and give him shade. And uh, then God had a worm come and destroy the plant and says that, oh, Jonah was out there baking in the sun and whining even more. Near death, and what's he doing? He doesn't repent. He continues to complain. Oh, Lord, you know, this, this is miserable. I'd be better off dead. Just kill me now, you know, kill me now, Lord. That, that, the book of Jonah ends that way. The book of Jonah ends with Jonah being a jerk. And, you know, and so, some people don't want to be comforted. You can bring the light, but some people don't want it. Some people will reject it. I don't know why. You know, they apparently just want to be miserable. You know, the, but they're not coming. You know, they're not coming does not remove our responsibility to be the light. The fact that they, that they might reject God does not remove our responsibility to be that light. Because let me remind you, while some will not come to Jesus, some will. Some will come to Him. Be their light. Help them to know and follow Jesus. The very next verse, the first part of the very next verse in Isaiah says, Raise your eyes and look around. You don't have to look very far. You don't have to look very hard you know, to see those who need the light of Christ in their lives. You don't have to look very far at all to see those who need to know Jesus. You don't have to look very far at all to see those living in darkness. Be the light. Tell them about Jesus. Be that light. 
Be the light that God has called you to be. Be the light that helps people to know more about Jesus. Jesus said to us, you are the light of the world. Now, be the light of the world that he has called you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those who were the light for us and helped us to see you and come to know you and those who continue in that path to help us to see you and know you even more and more deeply. Now, Father, we all know, we all know people who are living in darkness, uh, maybe uh, because of their own foolishness, uh, their own choice, but also maybe because they've never really heard and considered you. Help us to be that light. To live in such a way that they will see there's a difference and will want to know you. But help us also to open our mouths and to tell them, to tell them about you so that they might come to know you. So that they will no longer need to live in darkness, but they will see the light of life, which is you the light that has come into this world, and the darkness will not win. Thank you for your presence with us. Help us to go forth as in the light and as the light that others might come to know you. And Father, be drawn closer to you and hopefully come to know you as their Lord and Savior. To you be glory and honor in and through the way we live as your light, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.